Hello and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Today I've got a wonderful guest on. It's uh, David Magicman Harris. He's a gentleman I met uh, through networking events a few years back and with the pandemic hitting us all last year, his trade was one that has been infected um, more than most, to be honest. So, you know, he, he saw... Uh, a serious decline in bookings and not able to do what he loves. But, you know, that's not swayed him. He's um, pivoted. He's still doing magic. He's uh, found different avenues to explore. And uh, it's been great to see his journey over the past year. And we'll get to hear what he has to say shortly. So this episode should have been edited and done a couple of days ago, but I've been procrastinating. And <laughs> I guess I've not been really following some of the advice that I might give to uh, other people when it comes to procrastination. And, well, you know, I eventually realised that I'm not accomplishing what I need to do and realised that I needed to stop doing the things that were stopping me recording and editing this podcast. So, number one, I set aside the time. Important. So I scheduled it in my diary, you know, it would stopping other things coming into place. And when it's there visibly in front of you, it's quite easy to see that that's what I need to do. Secondly, I removed the distractions. I've been probably spending a little bit too much time on Clubhouse. So thankfully, that's on another phone. So I've powered that phone off. It's not a distraction. I will leave it alone and I will treat myself once this podcast is completed. And finally, the easiest thing. You just have to do it. <laughs> In the end, I know the responsibilities I have and uh, some of the accountabilities. So making sure that I knew what's a priority, it's just getting it done. It's like they say, swallow that frog. And if you don't know what that means, just Google it. Else I'll also talk about it on a future podcast. So that brings me to today's guest, David, or as he professionally is known as, Magic Man London. He's a multi, he has a multifaceted approach to each event, from corporate days, gala dinners, trade shows to weddings. And each client is treated individually, bringing a zest of imagination and fun, leaving guests feeling that they've witnessed something amazing. And I must admit, I can attest to that completely, because I am actually bamboozled every time David does a magic trick in front of me, and I've got my firm favourites with him, so there's always some I get him to repeat. Anyway, David's love of magic began at the age of five, watching his father performing a coin trick, which David still performs today. Now, as a professional magician, his constant striving for new ideas, inspiration for new tricks, develops from daily life and people he meets, and this breathes new life into his magic. David's reputation within the entertainment world is renowned and well-respected, and he's become an artisan within his field. Let's hear what he had to say. Hello, David, and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. This one's, uh, this one's been a while in the arranging, actually, because we've, I've been talking about it since tail end last year. So I'm glad I finally got you on, actually. Um, I'm finally here. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, um, I introduced you as a, as, as a close-up magician, so we're going to get to that. But really, I, I just want to take it back. Um, this podcast is about second success. It's, you know, you, you, you being a magician is, is your second success, but your real success is growing up, challenges you faced. And really, I just want to give the listeners a bit of an opportunity for you to share that and some of, the, some of your story, really, and hopefully get some inspiration from it. So tell me, take it back. What was, school, what was it like growing up, school life? What was it like growing up? Uh, I hated school, like from the very beginning, it's kind of because I was born, when I was born, I was diagnosed with dyspraxia like many years later. So being at school, kind of every time I looked up at the blackboard and kind of saw it was on the blackboard, went to write it down. It was yeah. kind of, there was no point really. Um, I'd have to look at the blackboard like five, six times and then start writing it down. Um, so that was a challenge. 
And when you're growing up and you haven't been diagnosed yet, everyone goes, well, you must be stupid or this or that, or he's yeah. slow. Um, so that was a challenge. So I didn't really enjoy school. Uh, and then finally I got diagnosed and got sent to like the right sort of schools where they had loads of people with like ADHD, dyspraxia, dyslexia. And all of a sudden from being bottom of the class in like every other school, you're now towards the top because they understand what's going on, how to treat it. How old were you then when, when it was diagnosed? 12 or 13 I think so kind of not late but not not early um that's what I remember anyway um so I ended up going to a school in West Sussex called Slindon College um which was great fun uh and every I think it was either Thursday or Friday afternoon uh we had something called the CCF like the Combined Cadet Force it was either do that or do the Duke of Edinburgh Award I'm saying okay. if you let me lose like firearms and we get to go away I'm, I'm going on that uh, and I still remember one of the first times we're all outside the school uh, and the chat says left turn. Uh, everyone turns left, I turn right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, we've got a lot of work to do here. But it's like, look, we had a lot of work to do, but I ended up being really good at it. And it's kind of, it was the one thing I looked forward to being in boarding school. Just that Thursday afternoon, going, look, I get up on like, the army boots and have a bit of fun. And you enjoy it. So that's when it became more enjoyable then? Yeah, it's kind of, that's when school became, I didn't really enjoy school because it was just like, that. I, I knew I wanted to be a magician from a young age. Uh, so rather than studying hard, I was learning how to like cheat with cards, gambling moves and sleight of hand and everything. How, how old were you when you first started that? Uh, I think I caught the magic bug when I was about six. My dad used to do it as like a hobby. So I think everyone's seen a classic trick. You take a coin, make it disappear, put it from behind someone's ear. Uh, I still do that to this day because I think it's one of the best tricks out there. For the very reason that most people saw it when they were growing up, so it brings them back to their childhood. Um, and then later on, I added more phases to it. That is about magic, though, isn't it? It is all about emotion, isn't it? Because a, a trick could be good and you, you're amazed. But actually, I mean, I love magic. I love, you know, for me, it's not a trick. It's pure magic. I've, we've had this discussion before. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I think <laughs> you're a wizard, really, in disguise. But <laughs> for me, it is about that emotion. It does it takes you back to childhood. It takes me back to watching Paul Daniels on the TV. And, you know, it's uh, for me, yeah, growing up with all these fantasy movies with magicians and wizards and genies. I mean, many years ago, there was a magician uh, called David Williamson, who is a nutter, but great at what he does. And he goes, there's a major difference between a magic trick and a magic effect. Uh, anyone can go out, buy a magic trick from the shop and call themselves a magician. But it's making people care about it. Uh, you've seen the stick trick with like the crosses on it uh, and like cards appearing in wallets or kind of cards appearing in between your hands. Uh, but I make you care about that moment. It's like, no, no one really cares about a white stick with some crosses on. So it's my job to convince you like, look, this is the best thing you've ever done and seen. Yeah, I agree. The amount of times I've seen that trick of yours <laughs> and uh, it still bamboozles me and I'm still amazed and I, and I still love it. In fact, I probably get you to show it me every time I see you, don't I? Yeah, I've done it over 6,000 times. Uh, and I still love it. Yeah. Um, somebody years ago went, how do you know what's a good trick? It's like, if you're still doing it five years later, it's a good trick. And, and you're still loving it. <laughs> well, that's the main thing, isn't it? It's, you've, got to, you've got to have the passion. You've got to enjoy it. You've got to love it. Otherwise, you don't sustain it, do you? Yeah. If you get into magic for the money, you're in it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're those guys with the residency on the Las Vegas Strip, I guess. But what um yeah. going going back to then school you know once you're, you're in boarding you, you know you're enjoying some aspects of it once you left school what then what happened then 
So I left school, didn't, I knew I wanted to be a magician, but at the back of my head, I thought, you know what? I'm too young to do it professionally. I need something to fall back on. Uh, so I went to college, studied computing for, I think, two years, like doing spreadsheets, databases mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Left that with a qualification and thought, you know what? I never want to do this again. <laughs> um, so I started working in TV. So I was a runner on like this morning, today with Desert Mail and all that sort of stuff. Did that for a while and then I got fed up making teas and coffees and photocopying. So it's like, okay, I, I still want to do magic, but I need something. Uh, and at the time, I just passed my driving test. So I was 16, 17, maybe, probably 17. Um, and I thought, let's see if there's any driving jobs out there. Just as kind of just anything. I like driving, see if I can get paid for it. Uh, so the civil service were looking. So I applied to them going, look, I've only just passed my test because they needed, I think, three years on a clean license or something. Okay. And it's like, look, if you, if you don't ask, you don't get. So I applied, heard nothing back, and I thought, okay, just kind of forget it because you could only submit once. Okay. Um, and then I started working in like retail, kind of working in toy shops and anything like that just to get out there. Um, ironically, every shop I worked at eventually closed down for some reason. So I thought, right, retail's not for me. <laughs> it's just like I worked in the toy shop in Richmond. That closed down. I think it was like Habitat or something like that. That closed down. So like maybe, maybe I'm just, I just curse retail. Oh, Let me buy stuff, <laughs> not working it. Um, and then one day I kind of got a message back going, we'd like you to come up for an interview. And I thought, what's this, what's this for? Uh, and I read the email a bit further and it's like, oh, it's been like a year and a half since I applied, but they finally kind of bothered to reply. Um, so I go up um, and they're like, look, we know you haven't been driving that long. Uh, rather than an interview, we want you to drive. Just kind of show us what you can do. Is that okay? Uh, so I get in the car, start chatting and everything. We're driving. So it's almost like a driving test, but they just want, I think they just wanted to make sure I knew how to drive a car. Okay. Because my guess is there are some people that go, oh yeah, I can drive and just kind of, <laughs> drive so badly uh so eventually got the job so there was me and about six thousand other drivers uh driving mps delivering kind of confidential documents and stuff like that uh and i did that for four or five months okay and then somebody approached me and went do you fancy better pay better hours better cars and i went watch the catch he went there's just a slightly higher chance of being shot up or blown up And it's like, yes, sign me up. Uh, So I then joined something called the Rapid Response Unit, the security service. Uh, So I went from being one of 6,000 to one of six. Oh, wow. uh, With high performance vehicles like bulletproof, armor plated, driving um, like high end people. Um, Mm. So I'm not allowed to say who because it's covered for 30 years. Um, But made some like really good contacts and everything like that. And I was doing magic on the side. So it was kind of a win win situation. I was driving these amazing cars during the day, getting paid to have fun. And then the evening I was doing magic. Uh, and as long as I gave them enough notice for like a gig I had coming up, it was like, yeah, okay, take the day off. Yeah, I've got to ask you, did you get into any kind of scrapes whilst driving? No, and I don't mean literal scrapes, scraping another car, but, you know, obviously it's protection. Were there any times that you have to hop yeah. it away from somewhere? There were a couple of incidents. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of them... Uh, yeah, one of them was quite funny. We were racing up to Heathrow because we had like a, it's called a red flash. So it's kind of, there's an emergency. 
and we could get from Wimbledon to Heathrow in about six and a half minutes. Wow. Um, so yeah, we're, we're breaking the speed limit a tiny bit. Uh, and I remember going around one of the back roads um, just through Kingston and I turned the corner a split second too late. Bear in mind, these cars are seven and a half tonnes. You need to turn a second before you think you need to turn because of the weight of it. And I clipped the back of like the lamppost with the back of the car like a tiny amount. And I'm driving away and I look in the rearview mirror and I see this lamppost starting to fall over. And it's like, oh God. And we had a little button that we can report stuff with. So I pushed the button and they were like, what's the issue? I went, uh, there's about to be a major traffic jam um, through Kingston. It's like, why? Might have not done a lamppost. And this thing's just falling across the road uh, on one of, kind of, one of the major bits of road. Oh no. Um, so I think they quickly sent someone out. By the time I came back, it was all gone. Okay. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then another time uh, we had a, because we did like, not close protection, but we brought people to court occasionally who were okay. giving testimonials against terrorists and stuff. You were given some, must have been given some training, driver training as well, I guess. So it wasn't just your oh, God, driving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. So we got put through evasive driving um, okay. and different, like, there were different levels you could get up to. So there was like level one. And then once mm. you got used to that, you could go and go up and everything. Uh, so I ended up being one of the most qualified people out there. Wow. And uh, we used to train with the police every now and again, uh, which would just freak the police out. Because they're like, we, we don't know this stuff. So you don't need to know it. This is kind of, if someone's following you, it's not the end of the world. If someone's following us, we've got an issue. Yeah. Um, but I remember <laughs> we, we were racing up um, with the blue lights on, going down this like one-way street, and this police car had its door open. Um, and I thought, it's got to close its door because I'm not stopping. Because because we couldn't see the number plate, we're not sure whether it's a genuine police car or not. Yeah. Um, so I pushed the horn, which then puts that massive sound out. Um, and he steps back into the car quickly, but forgets to close the door. Oh, no. So I'm going past at kind of a fairly big speed, and I just take this door clean off. Um, not a scratch on my car because it's kind of, it can take bullets and God knows what. Um, and it's just like, that's going to be an interesting one to explain. Um, <laughs> and I was speaking to mechanics afterwards. Um, and they're like, you've actually done us a favour because the way you hit the door, you've hit it perfectly. So all we've got to do is take it off and put a new one on. Rather than if you were slightly a different angle, it would have been basically a write-off. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, what's the matter? So I'm, obviously you can't divulge a lot, but there must be some amazing stories. Um, so what was happening with the magic? Obviously, you know, you, you sound as if you were really enjoying that time uh, and you were really into the role. But what was happening with the magic? What was yeah. going on? I was doing it on the side, so like evenings and weekends. Okay. Um, so I was doing like weddings at weekends because that's when most weddings happen. Obviously not at the moment, um, but it's kind of, it gave me, the one thing I enjoyed about it, not doing it professionally, was I could spend time working on the effects. Okay. Rather than having to go, right, I need to kind of almost work on the job, what works, what doesn't. Um, and this was before the time that I was going out and popping road tests and stuff. Hmm. Um, so I loved it. And everyone goes, like, what's the difference between an amateur magician and a professional one? It's like, professional one, we don't go out and like perform stuff we're not 100% sure on. Okay. We, we always kind of road test it first. Yeah. Um, but it means we don't have as much time to work on stuff, which is kind of one upside of the pandemic. I've been able to go through all the material I, I do, rework it, find out if I can change anything on it, and actually spend time enjoying it, kind of mm. working on new stuff. Yeah. 
um, rather than going, oh, look, here's a trick. Because whenever I'm reworking a trick, I don't perform it because otherwise you get the two methods confused. But go- going back to that, so, you know, here you are, you're in a, you're in a full-time job, you're, you've got your side hustle going on, which is your, mag- you know, your magic. You're doing that evenings, weekends, you're trying to yeah. perfect the art as well. You know, that, that resonates in the sense that, you know, I speak with a lot of people who are working, say, in a corporate or they work in a job, but they're very, they have an entrepreneur mentality, so they, they want to start a business, so they start this side hustle. And the, the thing that I always get back to me is that I don't have time. You know, I, I, I want to leave this job. I want to grow my company. Or I want to grow this business, but I can't because I don't have the time. How did you manage it? I think I had the mentality because I knew I wanted to do it from a young age. It's like, look, and people went, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Because of the dyspraxia, like if someone used to throw me a tennis ball, I, I wouldn't be able to catch it. Uh, mm-hmm. So when I kind of said, look, I want, I'm done to be a magician. And that was the first time. I think I was fairly young at school and the teacher went, what do you want to do when you're older? And I went, I'm going to be a magician. It's not a matter of if, it's like, look, this is what I'm going to do. Um, And I think it's kind of, if you put your mind to something and you really want to do it, you'll find a way. If you don't, then you you won't. Um, You hear it all the time. It's like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. It's like, well, what's stopping you from doing it? Um, It's like, I want to have my own TV show. I want to release like my own pack of cards. I was like, great where do I start? Like start at the beginning. Um, Cause if you have a big thing, like I want to have my own TV show or I'm going to have my own TV show. It's like, right, that's a monumental task. But yeah. where do I start? Take yeah. baby steps. Yeah. What's it called? What do I want to do? What, what ch- I've even got down to the point now. It's like, right. What channel do I want on? What time? What sort of guests do I have on? Yeah. You need and to. That, uh, that doesn't cost anything. Of course not. That's it's visualization. And that's what I get a lot of people do. You've got to visualize your goal and then work your way back and figure out how you're going to get there. But the important thing is visualizing it. It's that imagination. It's creating a goal that you can move yourself towards. And as a kid, I wanted to be a pilot or an astronaut, I'm sure. And I'm sure others wanted to be something else. And, you you know, when you said early on that I wanted to be a magician, what, what made it stick? There's a lot of people, you know, people change, you know, people evolve and passions and interests change. So what kept your interest and how did you know so with such certainty that you wanted to be a magician? So one thing I found out fairly early on, especially like being at school and things like that. Um, once I knew in my head, like, look, look at the reactions I can get from magic. Look how it's kind of, it's, it's a life skill. And I love talking to people. Um, you see me out and about, I will talk to anyone because you, that's another thing. You never know who you're speaking to. Uh, I've done magic on the tube before, uh, and it turns out they work for like Chelsea Flower Show or they work at so-and-so hotel. Um, I think so many people are afraid of kind of talking to people. It's like, look, what's the worst that can happen? They either go, no, or it's like, they just ignore you. That's it. But if you look at the plus side, there's huge, there's this huge amount. Um, So I I kind of use magic at school for kind of like getting people to do homework and all, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was even doing like con games to get people's tuck food um, while I'm buying it from the shop. <laughs> so it's just like, I thought, right, here's a life skill that kind of can be adapted and it works in any language. I, I've traveled the world doing it and it's kind of, you don't have to speak the language. Um, there's a universal sign for like, choose a card or think of something. Um, I don't know of any other profession that you can do that with apart from like music. I think it's brilliant. And you and you were mentioning just then that now, you know, in terms of that manifestation, having that visual image, you you have a vision board. 
yeah, so the vision board's on the back of the door um, and it's got all the big things I want to do. So I want to have, I'm going to have like my TV show, I'm going to move out, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Mm. And I think the amount of people who make a vision board incorrectly, they put stuff on the board and they go, right, let's see what happens. So, yeah. Right, if you just look at it, nothing's going to happen. It's not, that would be the best magic trick in the world. If I could look at it, because <laughs> I've got a picture of an Aston Martin on there. Yeah. If I can kind of go, yeah, that will just turn up on the drive tomorrow. And I think everyone expects it to happen overnight. It's like it doesn't. It takes months and years and working towards it. And the one top tip is believe you've already got it. And everyone's like, well, how do you do that? It's like, well, same way you do everything. Just just like in your day-to-day life, just imagine you're having it. Um, and if you haven't got the money for it, work your way around it. So I've been after, you know this, I've been after a MacBook for, for like ages. But because yeah. I'm not working... Uh, and I'm on universal credit at the moment. It's like, hang on a minute, that's over a thousand pounds. And by the time mm. I take away that my phone bill and everything, I'm not left with much. So it's like, right, what can I do yeah. to save that money? Um, and the one top tip is if you're going to buy something online before you push that buy now button, ask yourself, do I really need it? Yeah. I genuinely need it. Because uh, I think so many people buy stuff just for that instant fix yes. and it's gone within 24 hours. Yeah. We've all done it. Yeah. Um, it's like if you look at what people have bought during lockdown, they've bought loads of stuff they don't need. Yeah, I'll add it. Here's a top tip. Add something to your basket on the shop and then leave that website. Nine times out of 10, you'll get an email going, oh, you're less than your basket. Here's a 20% discount. Exactly. Um, but yeah, do you, do you need it? Nine times out of 10, you don't. Yeah, brilliant. So we're going to, uh, so fast forwarding a few years, you know, you left your, rollers uh, uh you know driving for the government um yeah became a professional magician i mean we've known each other what for three or four years now i think something like that i lose track of time now something like that yeah and yeah. you know yeah, so with this pandemic like... yeah i've only known you on the professional circuit as such so to me you are magic man and for me you know, it was great to be able to see you out and about, you know, we'd meet at events or parties, you'd be there and it was always wonderful to see you there, you know, you'd always be that familiar face in the crowd that I could veer to and feel safe and comfortable. Ah, oh, David's here, I'm happy now. You know, it's so it was yeah. always wonderful to see that. I'm in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But not only that, it's well, you know, you, you had something to offer that I love, magic. So I was instantly drawn to you. And, uh, you know, in that sense, it, it was an easy, it was an easy given that I could do that. You know, and look, lockdown hit and it's probably impacted you, you know, in the industry that you're in worse than most industries, yeah. uh, the events. Talk us through that. What's been the I mean, the challenge obviously has been financial. But what about your mindset? Yeah. What does it do to your mindset? So ironically, the last two events I did before lockdown hit were two massive trade shows, one in Parma uh, and one in London. So over the course of a two week period, I saw over like 9000 people. And it's just like, okay, and we, and we didn't, I think COVID was kind of a thought about thing at the second one at XL, but no one was really worried about it. We were shaking hands. We were kind of going, oh, look, there's this thing over in China, but it's, it, it won't really affect us over here. And then almost overnight, kind of lockdown kind of happened and the calendar got wiped out overnight. The, the, there was no warning of it and we weren't prepared for it because no one saw it coming um and, and from like a security background it's kind of my first thought was why did no one see this coming mm-hmm. so kind of 
the security were always there's a game we used to play called what if it's like what mm. if this happens what if that happens and it kept your brain fresh so when they went there's this thing in china it probably won't go much further i was going but what if it does and i think that's where kind of basically the whole world kind of failed they didn't preempt it they didn't play the what if game uh if they'd done it would it have changed anything who knows hindsight's a wonderful thing but there's nothing we can do about it it's like it's here but it's nearly over um so lockdown one hit and everyone was like okay look, this will be over in a month or two so yeah. we'll keep on doing what we're doing a few bookings got kind of postponed to later on in the year it's like look, don't worry about it yeah keep an online presence uh, and then it became apparent fairly quickly that this thing wasn't going to disappear. Um, and some magicians started doing Zoom shows. And it's just like, yeah, that, that's not for me. Mm. It's kind of, I like the facial, like the social interaction from it. That's what yeah. I think magic is. Um, I don't think you can get it across the screen. Um, so I thought, wait, what do I do? Well, for, number one, stay in contact with everyone. Because we're all going through this together. And I think the amount of people who are going to go, I'm having a bad day or this isn't working for me. If you actually call people, you find out you're not the only one and all of a sudden you feel better. Um, and I've got loads of friends and contacts who work in like hospitality, events, you name it. And they're all in the same boat. Um, so I thought, wait, let's focus on social media. Let's keep my presence there. See what I can do. Um, let me start reworking old tricks, work on new stuff because I've got the time. And then, I had a big list of things that I've been meaning to do, but I haven't had the time. So I sat down and went, right, here's a big list. Pick three and work on them. Because everyone was always going, oh, I wish I had more time. It's like, right, now, now we do. We've got that time. Use it. Learn new skills. Uh, so I picked up my camera again, started getting back into photography. But we couldn't go anywhere. It's like you could go out for exercise, I think, once a day. But it's like, right, we've got a garden at home. We've got a dog. I've got magic stuff in my room. Let's start taking photos of that, trying new stuff out. Uh, and photography is a lot like magic. It's kind of, it's all about framing and kind of looking at it from different angles. Um, so I was getting like packs of cards out, coins out and going, what happens if I don't take the photo in the conventional sense? Yeah. What happens if I kind of lie down or kind of shoot from different angles? And I had so much fun with it um, that I've now gone, like, it's not a profession that I want to get into. Yeah, but I'm going to start taking a lot more photos and I've been up to London a few times uh, and London doesn't feel like London at the moment. It's mm. kind of a ghost town. Um, but I love going out and taking photos, like spending time. Um, so I enjoyed that. And then I started a podcast because everyone was like, everyone was starting a podcast and I thought I want to start one. <laughs> and then I asked myself the question, why? Why do I want to start one? And it's not, oh, everyone's doing one. I should too. Uh, so I got people talking to people in an event about it and they were like, look, you've got all these amazing stories and kind of you love talking. It's like, That's why I want to do a podcast. I want to get everything out that's in my head out because um, we have amazing stories involving like airports and everything. I'll be sure to link your podcast in the episode description so that people can follow you. Perfect. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, just search for Magic Talks. <laughs> and, and that was another thing. How do I come up with the name? Um, and again, that's where social media jumped in. It's like, rather than me asking friends, ask people. That, that's the best way. First of all, it tells people that I'm working on stuff. And secondly, you get some really good names. Um, some of them were a bit convoluted and it's like, that's not memorable. And then Magic Talk kept on popping up. It's like, look, you're a magician who talks. And it's like, 
there it is. It's nice and simple. Yep, exactly. Well, I remember. Well, I mean, you were one of the you were one of my influences to start my own podcast because when you started, I remember when I started the second success, I came to you for advice. You know, how do I start? What do I need to do? And so you were so helpful in getting this particular one off the ground. So I've got to, you know, here publicly and on air. Thank you, David. If it wasn't for you, you're probably, welcome. This pub, in fact, yes. If it wasn't for you, this podcast wouldn't exist. I could probably say that. There we go. Yeah, and I think that's another thing we've learned during lockdown. Kind of helping each other out, collaboration is just is yeah. just huge. And I hope that once all this is over, people don't forget that. No, exactly, exactly. Because um, it's like, look, um, I'm going to start doing Zoom shows soon, uh, and there's loads of magicians I know who are doing them. Yeah. And rather than me putting out a show I'm not happy with because of like tech or whatever, we're helping each other out. Yeah. So, oh, look, if you do this, you can do that. Uh, and then there's a group on LinkedIn I belong to full of event professionals. Uh, and we have our weekly Zooms. So on a Monday, we kind of have a chit chat for like half an hour, which is lovely. Just kind of say, look, this is what we're doing this week because it, it holds you to account. Rather than yeah. you go, I'm going to do this. It's like, right, if you tell someone you're doing it and you don't do it, Mm. you can almost guarantee they'll jump on you going hang on a minute where's that thing you said you were gonna post yeah uh and then they start up a mentorship program uh i had my first one the other day with a chap called martin who's been in events pretty much longer than i've been alive uh and he does video production video editing and everything else uh so i've been mentored up with him and he said what do you want to learn i said look i'm good at taking photos and videos already but i, I need to get better at it yeah. uh so he's teaching me how to set up like multiple camera angles, mm. uh, edit them together and everything. So I set myself a challenge a while ago of releasing a magic trick a day for 30 days on my Instagram. Yes. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Got to day 28 and ran out of tricks, which wasn't ideal. But again, jumped onto Clubhouse with a room full of magicians and we brainstormed. Yeah. It's like, right, what do you have access to that you don't have to buy anything for? Uh, and we came up with a really cool trick involving balloons. Brilliant. And it's like, there you go, helping <laughs> each other out. Because it got to the point on the evening of day 27 when I thought, oh, I don't have anything for tomorrow. Uh, and I was getting stressed about it. And the more you stress about something, the, the harder it gets. It's like there are certain magic things I'm learning at the moment uh, that are knuckle busting. But I know once I've done them, they're going to look beautiful, but you're not going to see them. Uh, so I set myself like 15, 20 minutes. If mm. I'm having a problem with it, I put it down, move on to something else, try it again the next day. And the next day I'll pick up the pack and go, oh, there it is. Yeah, often happens. Our, sub <laughs> our subconscious yeah. uh, is very good at solving problems. They, then, then they do say, you know, sleep on it sometimes. You know, when you've got a big problem, you yeah. often heard that analogy, you know, just sleep on it. Because our subconscious works away. It does work away and uh, helps us resolve a lot of big issues sometimes. Um, yeah, it's like, go on. You know, I was going to say, I, I think it's been... I'm just so glad that we've, you know, stayed in that constant touch throughout last year. So I've been able to see this journey. You know, I remember when you started doing your IG lives, when you started doing your podcast, when you started being, you know, taking the photography. So to me, as you, you know, as you're talking through this, it's just bringing back memories over the past year. So um, reminiscing. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It's heartwarming to see that, you know, and like myself, that as, as difficult as the year as it has been for a lot of people, I think people of the right mindset have actually adapted quite well and actually figured out, well, what can oh, we do? They haven't just sat there. They've actually thought, well, I can't do what I would love to do, but what can I still do that's going to better prepare me for when I am ready to go? 
Yeah, it's like the amount of people who went, oh, 2020 was awful, I'm glad it's over. And it's like, I quite enjoyed it in an odd sort of way. Like, look what I learned. I, I started a podcast, I got back into photography, I worked on new tricks, I made amazing new contacts. So focus on the positives. Uh, I set myself a new resolution. Well, it's not a resolution, it's like, uh, don't worry about things you have no control over. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, look, we're in another lockdown. It's like, wait, there's nothing we can do about it. So true. Um, and now we're working towards like these dates. And it's like, look, these dates might move. Yeah. But it gives us a goal of working towards it. Uh, and I'm now going to start doing Zoom shows, uh, hopefully within the next few weeks. I'm talking oh, to magicians about kind of different angles and stuff like that. Uh, order my MacBook, which will help me hugely because I haven't had a laptop in seven years. I've been using an iPad. And as good as the iPad is, it's got its limitations. Um, so I'm going to be like a kid at Christmas when this arrives because <laughs> it's like, right how do i do it and another thing i've never owned like a macbook before i've got an ipad but i've never used a macbook so it's okay. like i've been watching youtube videos on like on the basics like how do you do this <laughs> but i've got friends who are photographers and stuff like that who use macbooks all the time yeah so because of this new rule that from the first of uh, march you can have, meet one person outdoors yeah well i can catch up with her in london on a park bench yeah. with it and have a little lesson yeah, exactly. So it's like, look, it's if you've got contacts and everything, pick up the phone, organize stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know, that I'm reworking like the old bits of magic. So like the cups and balls, the linking rings and everything. And I've been working on the linking rings for a couple of months and I was hitting an issue every time with like certain bits of it. Uh, and there's a magician who does a weekly Zoom show, uh, like where you ask questions and everything. And he does the linking rings. He's been doing it for like mm. donkey's years. Uh, so we had like, he spotlighted me on the screen and we worked through it and all of a sudden those months of having that issue that i was having resolved went within five minutes yeah and he's like we'll just just do that yeah. and you're doing it together and it's just like what did i think of that <laughs> and, and that's what it takes it's like helping yeah the, the one thing you would bring away from kind of this lockdown the situation we're in it's like be nice to everyone because you have no idea what everyone else is going through exactly. uh, especially with social media social media always shows you the positive side we never put oh we're having a shit day because because no one wants to hear it um but if you are having a bad day especially at the moment uh and you're either got an ipad or an apple device there's a thing called clubhouse uh and it's great because we're talking to event people all around the world we're speaking to magicians but there's mental health rooms mm. and i think that's the one thing that's kind of been made apparent through this so if you're not feeling okay tell someone about it yeah it's like you're not the only one um, as I mentioned to you before, uh, you know, before before I jumped onto this uh, podcast interview with yourself, uh, I was on a club in a clubhouse room, and we, again we were talking about mental health issues, just being able to talk with people, yeah. people from all over the world. So it's impacted everybody, and everybody needs that support. So yeah. if you can just and offer it by being kind, I think it's it's a great way to be. David, yeah. you know. Here's the one takeaway. This is what I'd like to do on the podcast is what would you, th what would you say your three key attributes, your mental attributes have been to keep you going? Um, passion for what I do. It's like, I, I could have gone, look, I'm going to give up magic because it's like, look, we don't know when it's coming back, but it's like, look, I can't wait to get back out there showing people what I love to do. Uh, and people have seen me on social media and go, if that's what he's doing online, what the hell can he do in the real world? Uh, and some people have seen what I do in the real world. Um, so I think it's kind of, I'm looking forward to the new normal. Everyone's like, oh, there's going to be a new normal. 
and it's like I'm looking forward to it. Let's let's be nice to each other. Let's help each other out. Let's kind of collaborate more. Yeah. Um, because I think we almost got stuck in our ways. And it's like this is a reset button. Uh, and I hope people don't forget it. Um, the second one is look after yourself. It's kind of with social media and everything, you have that feeling of kind of, oh, I need to do this, I need to do mm. that. Okay, then you just take a day off for yourself or two days. Um, if all of a sudden you're not on for a week or two, you can guarantee within four or five days people will start picking up the phone to you going, are you mm. okay? Yeah. Um, and that's what you want, just be visible online. It's like if you can't go out and do what you normally do, make sure people don't forget about you um, yeah. and stay in contact. Like the amount of venues and everything, that even though they're furloughed, mm. I've still been picking up the phone going, hi, how are you? And just having a chat. Yeah. Because when all this is over and events start up again, they're going to come back bigger and better than before. And they're more likely to book me, who's been staying in contact, checking up on them. Yeah. Rather than someone who hasn't paid any attention and then goes, oh, I'm available for work now. And it's like, that, that's not how business works. That relationship. People by people. Uh, it's like, on classic example, there are a few people on Club House who come on and go, oh, this is what I do, buy my book, buy my webinar. <laughs> I, I know nothing about you. Exactly. Whereas the amount of inquiries I'm now getting through it, because I've been on there kind of almost a month and a bit, and people just see me in different rooms, and my name shows up as Magic Man London. Well, it's got David kind of, if you click on the profile, but everyone knows me as Magic Man. Yeah. So whenever I enter a room, it's like the Magic Man's here. Yeah. I was going to say, David, that's exactly like it would be. It's a real event, isn't it? Oh, there's David. There's Magic Man. Let's go over to him. Yeah. And, and I love it. Everyone said, <laughs> this is where it gets a bit confusing. I entered a room the other day and it's like, hi, David. And I didn't answer. And they went, Magic Man. It's like, hiya. <laughs> it's like, I almost... I almost prefer like being called Magic Man over David. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what everyone knows me as. Of course. Of course. So what about your third thing then? So your passion, the being kind. What's your third? Follow your dreams. If, if you really want to do something, mm. don't let anyone stop you. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's loads of people that throughout this have gone, look, I'm really good at being creative. It's like, right. If you've got another job or something yeah, and you want to pick that up as a side hustle, do it. And, it, and if you get really good at it, um, save some money. I did it like a year's worth of salary and take the jump. So I have friends who work in the city and they make a lot more money than I do, uh, but they hate what they do. Yep. They wake up every morning and it's the same. It's basically just Groundhog Day. Uh, and one of them a while ago when we're really jealous of what you do. It's like you can walk into a bar and talk to anyone, r- regardless of magic. Yeah. It's like, I wish we had that. It's like, what's stopping you? It's like, we've got nothing to talk about. I went, right, here we go. I do team building exercises occasionally for companies. Uh, and I teach them the basic trick. Like, choose a card, put it in, shuffle, and they find it. Uh, and it's really simple to learn. And then we find the nearest bar, and I say, right, we're going to go and road test it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's just like, right, how do you approach a group? Yeah. How do you do memorable? And it's like, if someone goes, what's the point of that? It's like, look, when you go to networking events, you want to be memorable enough that they kind of go, oh, that's so-and-so. This is what he does, but he also does this. Yeah. Um, people buy from people. They don't of want course. to buy a product. Of course. David. Yeah. Those, those are my say, three tips. That's your three <laughs> tips. Passionate, be kind, and don't listen to the naysayers and, naysayers and just follow whatever you want to do. Uh, brilliant. I mean, what, what, what could you ask for more? I think that's a, a good way to live, I think. Yeah, there are ups and downs, but don't focus on the downs. Thank you very much for being on the Second Success You're Podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Real pleasure. Yeah, and uh, I'll have you on mine soon.
Brilliant. Look forward to it. Take care. That was David Magic Man London Harris. It was absolutely wonderful to have him on, I must admit. I've regularly spoke to him throughout the lockdown and since last year, and we've always got something amazing to talk about, and I love getting to hear from him how he comes up with some of his magic tricks, just from day-to-day things and... Um, like we said, taking things from his daily life and he just brings new magic to them. And for me, he is truly a wizard. And I think that's key. Sometimes we often forget that it's these daily things in our lives that can give us some real inspiration to go on and achieve success. And that's something I'd like to leave you with, you know, something to be mindful of. That What is it that you've gotten used to that have normalised in your behaviour that actually could bring some magic to your life? And today I want to leave you with a clip from a movie called The Prestige. And here's a little monologue from Michael Caine explaining magic. Every magic trick consists of three parts or acts. The first part is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary, a deck of cards, a bird or a man. shows you this object, perhaps he asks you to inspect it, to see that it is indeed real, an ordinary, normal. But of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called the turn. The magician takes the ordinary something and makes it do something extraordinary. You're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. Because, of course, you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. But you wouldn't clap yet. Because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. That's why every magic trick as a third act, the hardest part, the part we call the prestige. Thank you for listening to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Welcome to the Second Success Podcast by Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Getting clear on the mindset for repeatable success.